It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. Today, we have a special episode, kind of like I mentioned on Twitter, kind of a weird week, just two episodes this week. Unless, of course, there's an emergency episode that's needed, and we might get into that here in a minute or two. But today, I've got Ken, also known as, and better known as, Obscure X Reds on Twitter. At Obscure X Reds, Obscure Former Reds. We've got a fun episode on tap for you today. Going to be talking about the Obscure Former Reds of the decade. But, first things first, Ken, how you doing, man? Hey, thanks for having me on, Jeff. Um, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Man, I've been looking forward to this ever since. Um, it's an idea I had a little while ago, and then getting to talk to you about it at Reds Fest. I've been really looking forward to this, but I have to admit, I was a little creeped out this morning. Or at least, may- maybe I should be flattered. I, I-, I don't know. Uh, I had a notification on LinkedIn, and I'll admit, I have LinkedIn. I kind of use it, sort of. And uh, the notification said, word for word, get ready to meet Ken. And I was like, whoa. LinkedIn follows me on Twitter. They might even be fans of the podcast. So shout out to LinkedIn. Thanks for listening today. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, the, the amount of information that our technology shares with, with each other between Twitter and LinkedIn and Google and Facebook is, gets a little creepy sometimes. It's like I always say, I mean, you know, those folks that really worry about Big Brother monitoring you, guess what? It's going to happen either way. Anyway, we won't get into all kookiness. Let's talk some fun stuff because one of the things that happens whenever a team is as bad as the Reds have been this decade is you have lots of obscure former Reds to choose from. This this has probably been, would you say this has been one of your favorite decades to look at? Oh, man. Uh, over the last five years, there have been a lot of obscure former Reds go through the organization. Um, I mean, every time there's a downturn in the team skill level, um, the number of players they cycle through escalates. Um, if you go back and look through um, like 2001 to 2006, all the pitchers that they had cycled through um, from the Jimmy Haynes and the Lance Davises. Uh, that the um, are just terrible, and it makes it fun because to go back and go, like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. He pitched, he pitched for a week, or he pitched for five <laughs> games, or he, he had a spot start. Um, right. Yeah, that, and and just to um, give a synopsis, 
real quick, how how did you get started on doing the obscure former Reds Twitter thing? Because I love it. I mean, you're one of my favorite followers on Twitter, and I'm not afraid to say that. I tried to shout you out a, a decent amount. But uh, for the folks who maybe don't have Twitter or don't follow you on Twitter, kind of give us a synopsis of how obscure former Reds got started and just what your whole idea is with sure. it. So you can follow me at obscure ex reds um, on, on Twitter. Please do. Um, I have a blast. Um, it's ninety five percent reds content, and I go back and forth between shouting out to obscure former reds. Um, actually, Matt Maloney, I got him to follow me, um, and there are a couple <laughs> more. Yeah. So, and then I also tweet. Um, I also try to be semi insightful. Um, with some of the stats and information that, that, that I can compile between um, be, between fan graphs and baseball savant and baseball reference. So trying to, to combine that information. And I've got my pet peeves. I've, um, I, I harp on O swing percentage, which is the amount of time that someone swings at, at a pitch outside the strike zone. Um, and I've got my don't bunt, but... The Obscure X Reds it is a way to look back at the Reds that no one remembers. Um, I got started going to baseball games in high school and college with some buddies, just, just hearkening back to people like Billy Bates or um, Dan Billardello or um, all the random people that went through. I mean, we would always hype on those bad teams from the early 80s, uh, 83, 84, 85, um, when they were terrible. And it's, I mean, yeah, there are the good times. Um, and for a Reds fan, those are, those seem to be few and far between. So we have a lot more bad teams to, um, to remember. Um, I picked it up on Twitter just because I wanted a way to engage Reds content. It's been about, two and a half years i think and so i have so much fun i've met some great people today's going to be a fun episode because looking back we have a decade of reds baseball and guys like just random some some names you the listener talking to you right now some names you might actually remember most of these names i'm gonna bet you're gonna be like uh you're gonna be like Tim Allen. You're gonna get that Tim Allen face. So let's <laughs> let's get started. We're gonna we're gonna just do we're gonna do like a a starting nine. Uh, you know, got the everyday eight and a pitcher, and maybe an honorable mention or two because there's I know that there's plenty to choose from. But let's start let's start with the most obscure X Red of the decade, and that is probably at first base. We're gonna have Mike Costanzo. Um, first base. Uh, we haven't had a whole lot of players play first base over the last decade because we've had a pretty good first baseman here. So trying to find a first baseman to head up our all-obscure former Reds team um, was probably the most difficult position to staff. But we're going to go with Mike Costanzo. Costanza. Yeah, that uh, I almost barely remember him even being on the Reds. I, I remember the name because I think I did he surface with the Mariners like a year or two ago. Um, I only have him in the majors as a Red. Um, he was part of the 2012 team, um, and he had a stellar 151 OPS um, with <laughs> one hit in plate appearances. 
that one hit is going to qualify him as our first baseman. That is a phenomenal. Yeah, 151. He had an on-base percentage of 095. I think that was my on-base percentage whenever I played <laughs> baseball in high school. So <laughs> that's awesome. 10 strikeouts in 18 at-bats. Something to build on. Well, when you come up as, as a 28-year-old rookie, um, getting your September cup of coffee, um, he got his Major League meal money for, for a few weeks. So congratulations to him on on making the majors. And that's that's really um, I don't I'm not doing this to to poke fun or humiliate anyone. That's not what I'm doing at all. Um, right. I don't know if I'm sure there are players or um, Reds personnel that listen to this. Uh, it's absolutely um, it's all in good fun. It, it, it's all a way to appreciate the people who work their whole lives and just get that cup of coffee for the majors. Um, they I mean. It's it's all of their dreams to get one at bat or throw one pitch in the majors, and 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 this is a way to appreciate those players and how how hard they've worked. Right, and and that's the that's the fun part about this episode because I'm sure if you ask most Reds fans, they could quote to you the starting lineup of 2012. However, not many are going to remember Mike Costanzo, and in fact, the interesting part about him. On baseball reference, they they always list the positions, and and most of the time it's just the positions that that player played the most during the year. Like, you know, you had Chris Isley, they just list as outfielder because he moved around a lot. You had Wilson Valdez, who they list as a shortstop. And obviously, you know, you've got your catchers. They listed Todd Frazier as a corner infielder, but they listed Mike Costanzo as a designated hitter. <laughs> it's hard to do on a National League team. That that. That's what's up. It is. It is. Um, <laughs> it looks like he started one game at first base and one game and one game at DH. I, I applaud them for choosing the better part of that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move around the diamond. Who we got next? Who we got at second base? So at second base, I really wanted to go with Dielson Herrera, but I think we're going to go Ramon Santiago. Um, I, I like Ramon Santiago because he has the de- the designation of being the only player in major leagues to hit a walk-off grand slam in his finer major major league at bat. Very nice. I yeah. like. Um, and you can find that on 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 YouTube. I'll, um, I'll tweet out the link um, to that after this goes live. Super random too, because on Baseball Reference, his profile picture is him wearing a Blue Jays hat. But if you look at his statistics, he never recorded Major League statistics for the Blue Jays. That's very (laughs) strange. I don't know why he's wearing a Blue Jays hat, because most of the time it looks like he played for Detroit, he played a few years in Seattle, and then, like you said, he finished up his Major League career in 2014 with the Cincinnati Reds. So it looks like he signed as a free agent um, with the Blue Jays and, and did not make um, and but never appeared on the roster. So um, he signed as a free agent and, and was released. So he was the last team um, that he was affiliated with. That makes sense. I guess that I guess that's how they do it. But um, yeah, the the final game of of 2014 uh, um, as the Red to walk off Grand Slam. That's awesome. So we've got Mike Costanzo in his 151 OPS. We've got Ramon Santiago in his walk-off grand slam for his final at bat as a red and as a major leaguer. 
Let's move on to shortstop. Who we got there? At shortstop, um, playing next to uh, Brandon Phillips, the Red cycled through a lot of shortstops. <laughs> um, so we're going to go with, with Zach Vincy. Um, Zach Vincy, he was, he was a prospect coming up, but he just, he's one of the Reds that never really materialized. Um, and he has a pretty cool name. Yeah. Because if you ask most people to spell it, I bet they'd spell it wrong. Yeah, for those of you looking him up on, on Baseball Reference, V-I-N-C-E-J. Um, he, he, played with the, he played with the Reds in 2017, mounting 12 plate appearances for a, a 111 batting average, 111 slugging percentage, and a 444 OPS. Over, under, throughout, you know, like going to school and all that stuff for him. Over, under, 11 and a half teachers who mispronounced his last, like, try to pronounce it as Vincege or something. Over. All of them. Every single teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Because I always remember he was listed. So, yeah, he came up in the majors 2017. He was always listed as kind of a, well, hey, we got this guy waiting in the wings at shortstop. And. But, you know, I mean, that kind of goes to the whole idea of what a prospect is, what their value might actually be, and how exactly they turn out. Because he played, so I'm seeing nine games as a Red. He played one game as a Seattle Mariner. Interestingly enough, he actually got four at-bats in that game as a Mariner. But um, not really a whole lot to, to run on with him. He does have projections for 2020, though. I guess he's an Oriole. Interesting. That's that's unexpected. Yeah, I, I, I would not expect that either. But that's all right. So we've got Vincy with no Y and a J. We've got Costanzo at first. We've got Ramon Santiago at second. Let's go to third base. Third base is going to be a platoon, um, and, and it's and it's. As soon as you hear these two names, you'll understand why. It's going to be a, a platoon between Cliff Pennington and Phil Goslin. <laughs> oh, that was stressful when they really thought they were going to have something with them. Oh, my gosh. What a year. Yes. That was. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a very frustrating beginning to, what was that, 2018? Yeah, because that was, um, Suarez was hurt. And everyone's yep. like, yes, the time is now for Nixon Zell. And then they're like, no, no, no. We have a better idea. But the, <laughs> it, it wasn't a better idea, but they thought it was a better idea. Or maybe they didn't. I don't know. It was really dumb, I thought. <laughs> but yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Cliff Pennington and Phil Goslin. Phil Goslin, I think, was on the Phillies last year, wasn't he? Um, Phil Goslin. That sounds right. Um it's, and it was frustrating that, yeah, to your point, that the Reds thought that either of these two players, and they probably didn't, but um, they uh, they didn't want to start starts in Zell's service time, and so allegedly, um, yeah, he did have a cup of coffee with with the Phillies, um, and it's it, it's. Good that now they have they're starting to get they're starting to turn the corner and get some good players in, um, and we'll get into some of that a- after 
after we get through the lineup. Absolutely. And Cliff Pennington also with the distinction of being a switch hitter. And kind of like Ramon Santiago, he has a picture on his baseball reference profile page wearing a Yankees hat. However, he has not recorded any statistics for the New York Yankees. So platoon of Pennington and Goslin at third base. Goslin actually hit a home run in 2018. He had a homer and two RBI. And I'm guessing I don't remember when he hit that home run. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Ditto. I don't remember either. <laughs> I can't remember that. Um, alrighty. So we've got a platoon at third. I, I tell you, I think I have an idea who the catcher is, but I'm going to let you say it first. Who is the obscure former Reds catcher of the decade? The catcher is, of course, Ryan LeBarnway. Um Of course. Yeah, of course. His 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 cup of coffee last last July um, was insane. Um, <laughs> he had actually he's actually played a lot more than I realized. Um, he's been around a few organizations, but the Reds going on their fifth or sixth string catcher um, last year. They were signing people off the off the streets um, <laughs> to play catcher with Juan Gratterall and Ryan Lavarnway. But um, Lavarnway had a great week. Um, his 722 slugging percentage um, would be the highest in Reds history given enough at-bats to qualify. Um, <laughs> if you take a minimum of 14 at-bats, he leads the Reds in slugging percentage. OPS plus of 154. Gotta love that. I, That's pretty good. And, uh, and also, um, regale us with the story, I hear he got a deal on a game-used jersey from him. I did um, at, at Reds Fest. One of um, part of my obscure former Reds shtick is um, I like um, to get the game used jerseys of players, and that, that was part of it because one of the first ones I ever bought was a John Weedling jersey, and my wife was not very happy with that purchase. <laughs> um, but I bought the jersey with, where um, he went. Uh, what three for four with a double and two home runs and six RBI. Um, six six runs batted in is the most for any Reds player in, in a debut. So I thought that was cool. The game that forever etched his name in the history of Reds lore. And, uh, you know, I think they're uh, trying to commission a uh, builder for a statue, I, I think. I, uh, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right next to the Johnny Bench statue. They might even remove the Johnny Bench statue and put the Ryan <laughs> Yeah. He's um he will probably be an all-timer. Like I don't know exactly whenever um and, and not to cramp on your style or nothing, but if you ever did like an all-time obscure former Reds list, I I I would guess he's a strong candidate to make that list. So. There's there's a um, there's a special place for him just because um, just because of that week just going insane I mean that's got to be a dream for for especially for for a player like him who's um, who's been around never been a starter um, always um, always the backup or even the third or fourth or fifth in case the Reds the sixth string backup so to to come in and have a week like that is is awesome. Let's see where's he playing? I know that I think he went to the Yankees after the Reds, but he's he in the just minor signed with the Marlins, I think. 
Nice. Um, well, along with Matt Kemp. <laughs> who who may or may not be a candidate. I don't know. There's been plenty of outfield candidates, and we'll get to those here in just a minute. But, yeah, I, I hope, um, you know, if the Marlins uh, come to Great American Ballpark, and for whatever reason, Ryan LaVarnway is their catcher, I look forward to the uh, memory video that the uh, – media department puts together for the Reds of Ryan LaVarnway. The montage of Ryan LaVarnway highlights. If you are looking for a last-minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts around teams' most passionate moments. Great for all fans. Go to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn and then feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. All right, so we've got our infield. Ryan LaVarnway is our catcher. Mike Costanzo at first base. Ramon Santiago at second. Shortstop Zach Vinci. Third base is a platoon of Cliff Pennington and Phil Goslin. Let's move to the outfield. Let's start with left field. There's been a few of those over the decade. Who's your guy? Left field is going to be Kyle Waldrop. Um <laughs> Kyle, Kyle Waldrop with all of 24 career plate appearances, um, all with Cincinnati. Um, five hits in a run to a career OPS of 511, a career slugging percentage of 261. So um, he fits right in with, with, those, um, with those 24 career plate appearances. I always thought that that name, he, he, it almost sounds more like a NASCAR driver. Because I think there was like a Waldrip NASCAR drive. I don't really know NASCAR. I'm just making that up. But... Waltrip, Daryl, and Michael. Yeah, uh, there you go. That's why. There you go. That's why I'm a baseball guy. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's and and a fun fact about Kyle Waldrip is if you search Kyle Waldrip on Baseball Reference, there's actually two Kyle Waldrips. One of uh, the other guy he played randomly, just like a cup of coffee with the Minnesota twins. So one of them has a picture. One of them doesn't. It's the one with the picture is the guy who played for the Reds. So Kyle Waldrip, our left fielder, he, he would have fit. Uh, I know we've talked about this before of, he would have fit the mold of Aristides Aquino had he only played in 2015. Cause kind of like we joked about Aristides Aquino had one at bat in 2018. And he struck out. That was the exact same thing with Kyle Waldrop. They gave him another cup of coffee in 2016. A little bit more. 15 games. Not not, not quite as, as effective as Aristides Aquino. There's, there's a little part of me that, that was crushed when, when Aristides Aquino made an appearance this year. Because he, he would have been the, the perfect obscure former Red come, having one plate appearance and striking out. Um, <laughs> And of course, of course, that that's in jest because we're, we're all rooting for for Aquino to um, to be a successful right fielder. Um, and hopefully he's closer to what he did in August than what he did in September last year. But yes, when, when Aquino had had the one plate appearance, he was. Um, yeah, he was my favorite obscure former red until, until he came back last August. I do remember, um, I think it was maybe his three home run game that you had tweeted out. You're like. Yeah, whatever. Congrats, Aquino. I gotta find a new favorite former ex red. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So left field's Kyle Waldrop. 
Who do we got in center field? I know for a little while we had one guy playing center field. Who is the obscure former Reds center fielder of the decade? The obscure former Red center fielder is Hernan Iribaran. Um, and this is this is a shout out. Uh, he he had a couple cups of coffee in Milwaukee, but then in 2016, as a 32 year old, um, still keeping the dream alive, um, came up and and played a few games a few games in September for the Reds. And um, one of the consequences of the the rosters not expanding anymore uh, um, in September is we're going to have a lot fewer obscure former Reds. So many of these players come up because they, they get their September cups of coffee and they're rewarded for having a good season for play or they're, they're rewarded for their, for sticking with it. And they come up and, and get their month of, of meal money and, and major league pay. But we're going to see so many fewer of those people because with the rosters only expanding to 28 in September, um, the Reds are going to have to be more strategic um, with, with who they bring up. They can't bring up a 32-year-old Hernan Airy Barons. So uh, those kinds of players aren't going to get a shot anymore or aren't going to get their cup of coffee. So um, he, he was uh, – I made sure to include him as our, as our center fielder just because of the roster changes um, are going to limit that exposure to those players. I remember him being up because I, I always liked his story. Kind of like you said, he he really just kept the dream alive for so long in the minor leagues, and the Reds gave him that cup of coffee. I'll be honest, though, I did not remember him playing center field. I remembered, like, second base or, you know, the right side of the field. I, I did not remember center field. So that that's pretty awesome. As a center fielder, just looking up his, his splits, he had all of his RBIs as a center fielder that year so very productive center fielder actually um <laughs> yeah but uh, Eribarian in center Waldrop in left let's round out the starting eight who's the right fielder Dennis Phipps Dennis Phipps is is included because he spells it with only one n d-e-n-i-s Phipps Dennis Phipps yeah, um, I'm gonna cut that. Had that uh, eleven <laughs> plate appearances in, in 2012. Um, actually, he he fared re- very very well. Um, 300, 364, 700, 1064 OPS. So for the for the ten at bats he got, um, he he played very well. But those those ten plate appearances will enshrine him as an obscure former red. He was a guy, and, and one of the best parts, one of my favorite parts about obscure former Reds is remembering the guys who played just enough and did just as well as Dennis Phipps did to make you think, you know what, I think we've got something. I think we've got a dude who can be good for the Reds. And, 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 and you look back and you just kind of laugh at yourself. But I mean, it was fun to watch him. Um, I do remember a couple of those games just thinking like Phipps, who is this guy? He's, I mean, Homer in uh, 10 at bats. That's, <laughs> that's not too bad. A cup of coffee for a guy. Yeah, they're just a flash. It's um, Mason Williams is a, is a name that comes to mind like that. Um, and uh, Lance Davis um, came up in September of Oh, three or Oh four, maybe. And, pitched really well and then got injured and ne- was never heard from again. So we've got Phipps in right field. We've got Iribarin in center. We've got Waldrop in left. 
let's uh real quick before we jump into the pitching of all these guys who leads off probably going to be dennis phipps um with with that 364 on base percentage man that, that that's an on base you want at the top of that lineup absolutely that's that that's kind of what i was thinking either him or um uh, maybe Vinci, although Vinci didn't have the on base that Phipps had. So, yes, <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> so, yeah, just to recap, we are everyday eight at first base, Mike Costanza. At second base, Ramon Santiago. Shortstop, Zach Vinci. Third base, we had a platoon, Cliff Pennington and Phil Goslin. Catcher, Ryan LaVarnway in his massive power surge. Left field was Kyle Waldrip. Center field, Hernan Irebarin. I think I didn't mess that up. All right. And then Dennis Phipps in right field. So, let's move. Let's do, okay. I'm going to amend it just a little bit. One starting pitcher and one reliever. Let's do, uh, who's the starting pitcher, the obscure former red starting pitcher of the decade? Shout out to Chad. I really wanted it to be Lisa Alberto Bonilla, but it is not Lisa Alberto Bonilla. Lisa Alberto. It is Todd Redmond. Um, Todd <laughs> Redmond is Todd Redmond is the obscure former Reds pitcher because in 2012 the Reds used six starting pitchers and the starting five of Cueto, Arroyo, Latos, Bailey, and Leak started 161 of. 162 games and Todd Redmond was called up for a doubleheader against the Cubs um, and started one game so Todd Redmond will be our, our starting pitcher that was a tough game for him but yeah that that one game and then uh, he went to Toronto and pitched three years in Toronto not not a ton of starts although he did have 42 appearances in 2014 for the Blue Jays but yeah that uh, one game um, and, and I got to clarify because usually, you know, you've been saying these different names and I'll laugh cause I'm laughing cause I'm remembering some of these guys just like, like Todd Redman. I, I, I just remember thinking that double header. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Just get a body in there and pitch. And Todd Redman happened to be that body. He did have two uh, strikeouts yeah. in three and a third innings on that game. And that's, that's what's up. So he's our starter. Who's the obscure former Reds reliever of the decade. The obscure former Reds reliever is Abel De Los Santos. Um, <laughs> pitched in five games in 2016 with 5.2 innings pitched. With a nice tidy 11.12 ERA and a 7.38 uh, fielding independent pitching. So um, he's, he's going to carry the torch for all of those terrible bullpen arms over the last five or six years that the Reds ran out there. 2016. That pitching staff was led by Dan Straley, guy who we turned into Luis Castillo. If that tells you anything about that pitching staff. <laughs> that was a trade that worked out. Yes, it was. That was one of the few. And uh, Abel De Los Santos coming off that team. Looking at, man, looking at some of the other names. I do not, some of these I do not remember. Lane Thompson. I remember Lane Thompson, absolutely. Matt, I remember Matt McGill. Diane Diaz? Diane Diaz. Diane Diaz, say that five times fast. Um, <laughs> but Abel De Los Santos, the obscure former Reds reliever of the decade. 
I know we had talked. Um, I think we talked at Reds Fest, kind of. You you were thinking Sean Marshall, but you didn't think he was obscure enough. So um, I don't think Sean Marshall's a, a, obscure, and um, I personally draw the line. Um, obviously, Twitter, everyone can have their own interpretation. I I draw a line between obscure players who are players like this, and then cameos. So people who appear a season or less as a red. Um, obviously, Greg Vaughn is not obscure. David Wells is not obscure. These are famous players that, base, that, that people who appreciate baseball will remember these players. Um, Frank Viola was a red. Um, he's not obscure. Um, and so um, I, I do appreciate Reds cameos um, as well for the players who, who don't appear very long. Uh, David Wells spent two months as a Red because <laughs> they traded um, during the 95 season um, and then traded him to Baltimore, I think. David Wells. Man. So I, the way, the way I treat someone as obscure is um, the shorter the career, the better, of course. And then um, never, never a full-time starter on a playoff team. Um, if you're a, if you're a, if you're getting 155, 150, 160 games started on a playoff team, you're a pretty good player, um, and and your fan base is going to re- remember you. Um, so you didn't start for a playoff, you didn't start for a playoff team, and you had a relatively short career. Um, we can pick nits on Cliff Pennington. But I just include him because I don't like him. <laughs> well and that's i mean and that's the good explanation as to why uh we're not talking about the shinsu chus and the orlando cabreras of the of the reds universe we're talking about the zach vincis and the abel de los santos because those are those guys are fun to remember those guys is you look back and some of them most of them we're not going to remember because maybe their name got called at the stadium or something like that. Whenever you mentioned Dilson Herrera, I just kept thinking of how Tom Brenneman always pronounced his name Dilson whenever he would <laughs> get a hit or something. But yeah, <laughs> so yeah. so so that's it. Give me. Um, right, do you have? Let's do let's do two uh, honorable mentions. Just all over the place. Doesn't have to be. Uh, one or the other, if he's a position player, if he's a pitcher, two honorable mentions. Uh, a couple, a couple outside the box. Um, Donald Lutz, um, big power hitting outfielder. Um, one of the few, I think he was the first German to ever play in the majors. Yep. Um, and then Jake Elmore um, was one of the myriad of shortstops that the Reds ran out there next to um Brandon Phillips. So, um, yeah, making this list um, was a lot of fun. Names like Patrick Kivlihan and Tyler Holt. Um, yeah. yeah, Neftali Soto and Stuart Turner, um, Asher Wojciechowski. I mean, all oh. so many good names that the Reds have gone through. Asher Wojciechowski is kind of the uh, reference point of remembering where the pitching was and where the pitching has uh, just absolutely transformed into just thinking about Asher Wojciechowski uh, starting those games and different things like that. I'm just like, man, that 
they've come so far in just a few, just really one year, uh, let alone two years. We'll see what they do this year. But uh, yeah. looking at, I, I really want to give kudos to um, uh, to the front office, to uh, Nick Crawl and Dick Williams, to turn over um, to turn over the staff from that 2017 team. Um, and if if you look at at all the at all the bad players that um, that started games in 2016 and 17, um, to turn those into uh, Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo um, and um, Wade Miley um, and Trevor Bauer, they've. I mean, this is this is a playoff contending rotation right now. We're not. We don't have to put up with the Tim Melvilles or the or the Dan Straley's or um, Scott Feldman started opening day um, oh, and, and led the team in innings pitched, I think. So it, um, that we'll tells all, you. We will all remember the day. I remember that offseason whenever they signed Scott Feldman, and I'm just like, hey, look at that. They're addressing the rotation. Yeah, <laughs> we were so – oh, man. I was just a kid back then. <laughs> Just a kid back in 2017. Yeah. Well, and and that's actually a pretty good segue because I want to finish up by a little off-season talk. We got plenty of rumors going around, and like you mentioned, the front office has done such a good job rebuilding the pitching over the last year that you know they didn't really start the off-season with any sort of you know mandate or hashtag to get the hitting but it was pretty obvious that's what they needed to do and then they started with Mike Mustakis what do you think is Lindor the answer is um one of the outfielders on the free agent market the way that they should go how do you see this uh progressing and if you had to guess which one do you think happens I think they're going to um, – I'm a fan of all three of the bats that are out there. Um, I'm higher on Marcelo Zuna than other people. Um, Eno Harris for The Athletic wrote a great article um, about Marcelo Zuna. Um, and if you go to his baseball savant page and look him up, um, his exit velocity um, off the bat and um, his hard hit rate, the barrel rate that he had last year, he was insanely unlucky. Um, with hitting very, very hard and turning those into outs. Um, so I'm higher on him than maybe other people. People compare him to Puig um, be, because they have similar numbers. But if you look at at the peripherals, um, Ozuna and Puig aren't the same player at all. Um, I'd be very happy with either uh, Castellanos or Marcelo Zuna. Um, I'm lukewarm on Corey Dickerson. There have been rumors... Um, that the Reds have, have talked to all three of those players. Um, if the Reds don't end up with one of those three players, I'll be disappointed. Um, I don't think the Reds are going to get Lindor. I think the Indians want too much, um, too much for him. Um, they're looking at uh, Gavin Lux and Dustin May from, from the Dodgers, and the Dodgers have, have balked at that. Um, I did see an interesting signing, though, come across the wire from... Um, John Morrissey and John Heyman both reported it, that the Indians have signed Cesar Hernandez. Um, oh. And of course, they're announcing it that he's going to play second base. But he, he's played a lot of shortstop in his career. So um, I think that means that the Indians um, have an offer that they like from somebody. 
for Lindor, whether that's the Dodgers or the Reds. Um, I love Lindor. Lindor makes this this lineup a playoff contender. Um, but I don't know if I'm willing to give up six years of Nick Senzel for two years of Francisco Lindor. Um, Senzel's not a redundant part. Um, he's a center fielder. They don't have any other center fielders um, anywhere in the organization. Um, he, he played very well there. Uh, I think he, I think he's finally getting healthy with his shoulder. I think he's going to have a breakout year. He's been a he's been a top prospect ever since he was drafted. Um, so um, I'm in, I'm in on Senzel. Um, I don't want him traded for Lindor. Um, any redundant parts or anyone not on the major league roster? Yeah, let's go get Lindor, but not Senzel. But they've got Travis Jankowski. <laughs> they do have Travis Jankowski. <laughs> like I said, there are no other good center fielders in the organization. Uh, no offense to Jankowski. He may be a future former obscure ex-Red. We might be talking <laughs> about him. He is a future obscure former Red. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I did not know that the Indians had signed Hernandez. And, and to be honest with you, the way that I was kind of looking at it before finding that out is that I thought it was probably more likely that the Indians go into opening day with Lindor on their team. But that is intriguing because everybody's been wondering what they would get back. And, you know, there's been people speculating. It's not even a rumor. It's just us fans trying to speculate that maybe Freddie Galvis would be in the deal so that the Indians would have a shortstop or that, you know, if the, if the, uh, Dodgers made the trade. Some people were saying, well, do they give him Corey Seager? And I'm like, well, I don't know why they would do that, but yeah, whatever. So, okay. So they've got Cesar. That's interesting. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I know this is about the time of year. I know we're a couple days past, uh, just being a year ago that the Reds made the big trade with the Dodgers for Puig, Wood and Kemp. So this is about the time of year where the Reds, you know, where the big trade may go down. So we'll, we'll see. I, 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 I'm with you. I think it's going to be a very expensive haul. I, I've been saying this. It's, it's like, it's going to be worth it, but it's not going to be something where we as Reds fans sit here and say, boy, we fleece the Indians. If anything, it's probably going to sting if they, if they are to pull this trade off. But um, I, I, I agree that when you're talking about Ozuna and Puig and comparing them and uh, the peripherals on Ozuna looking good, uh, it's something that, you know, I've been talking about, you know, I'm on the, on the record as saying I, I, I'd like Puig, but I also understand the, uh, the argument for Ozuna, because when you look at that hard hit rate, and when you look at all of those peripherals that baseball savant has, which I love that website, I, I try to, you know, look at that as much as I can for doing research on guys. But w- when you look at those peripherals, you think, boy, you bring that hard hit rate into Great American Ballpark, good things could happen. But that's also the reason that I'm not so high on Corey Dickerson, like you mentioned. I totally agree with that. You know, some people are saying, "Well, look at his statistics in Great American Ballpark." Yeah, okay, whatever. I don't, I don't think that's something that the front office is looking at that's probably something that they would use in the press release but not necessarily a reason to bring him onto the ball club when people cite that look how they've done it in in great american ballpark um my instant reaction is well look who they were hitting off of in great american ballpark right um that's why i don't understand 
part of what frustrates me as a Reds fan is is how much Great American Ballpark gets a gets a rep as a hitter friendly park. Um, no, the Reds have hitter friendly pitchers. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you look at how bad they were in the 2000s and how bad they were over the last five years, yes, it's it's a hitter park when you have Tim Melville and Scott Feldman as your starting pitchers. But when you as soon as you have Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, or Johnny Cueto um, out there as your starting pitchers, it becomes a lot more um, pitcher friendly. So good pitching gets out good hitting. And so keep running out good pitchers and it won't be such a hitter friendly ballpark. And that's a good point because it's also something that we look at. I've always said, or not always said, I've said since this year, whenever he came to the Reds, that Derek Johnson is a wizard. But part of that is he's been handed really good talent. It's not necessarily that the guys that came before him as pitching coaches were worse than he was. They had worse talent to work with. I mean, when you go back and you look, I forget, maybe, was it 2016, that Tim Adelman led the team in innings pitched? I mean, there's there's no pitching coach alive that's going to look good when that's the case. So that's, that's, that's part of it, too, is, you know, the hitter friendliness. And... I under and uh, now it's a little bit different with Colorado, but at the same token, name a great Rockies pitcher. Really can't. Yeah. And, and yeah. part of that is probably pitchers don't want to go pitch in the thin air. But at the same token, when you when your you know staff ace is a guy like Juan Nicasio or something like that, you, you just <laughs> you're not you're not that talented at pitching and that's just how it's been for many a years for the Reds but now is not that case now they're deep and they've got to get that lineup to go with that pitching staff yeah um they need at least one more hitter um the lineup that they have right now um with Galvis and Aquino and i am assuming a platoon of Irvin and Winker um, is not a playoff caliber lineup um, and um, Tucker Barnhart behind the plate. That's not, a, they need at least another bat, um, probably two. I'm higher on Winker and Irvin in a straight platoon than many other people are. Winker just obliterates right-handed pitching. Um, he doesn't do anything against lefties, but that's why you platoon him with Irvin. Um, he, I think his OPS for his career is well over 900 against right-handed pitching. Um, and I will, when he, and I will run that flag out there, um, until he does until he stops hitting right-handed pitching. Absolutely. And, and I'm with you and something even too, that if they could get another outfield bat and maybe take some pressure off of Aquino and maybe, I don't know, maybe Phil Irvin is in a deal for Lindor. I know he wouldn't be the centerpiece, but you know, as a as a sweetener. And then maybe you do a left flu, a left uh, left field platoon of Aquino and Winker, and then that looks pretty sweet. Uh, I don't know something of that nature. Like you said, they got to do a little bit of tweaking though, because as is, they're not quite there. They're getting there, but they're not quite there. Ken, I thank you so much for your time, man. We've been talking for a long time. I know that uh, a little bit longer than I, I kind of told you in the beginning, but it's, it's fun talking about obscure former Reds, and it's fun talking about the Reds as a whole. Like like you said, uh, give out the Twitter uh, handle again for you, and uh, let's uh, let's close her out. 
Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. Um, I've had a blast. I, I listen to you, to you every day. Um, and I always appreciate um, your insight and input on, on the Reds. Um, please, please follow me, interact with me on Facebook at Obscure EX Reds. Um, and um, join in all, all of the, um, all the Reds podcasts because um, it's so much fun to have this conversation. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I appreciate it, Ken. And, and, and like he said, there is a glut, a really good just cast of Reds podcasts when it comes to this one, obviously, and Red Leg Nation Radio and Hunt for Reds October and Reds Alert podcast. Just so many great Reds podcasts out there. You got to check them out. You got to check them out. And, and, and thank you, Ken. Really appreciate it. Hopefully we do this again here soon. But for now. Sure. That's going to wrap it up for us. Merry Christmas to everybody listening to this, and happy holidays uh, for those of you that don't celebrate Christmas or celebrate something else. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast. Like we said, a light week this week, unless something crazy happens and we have an emergency podcast. But next podcast will come on Friday. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you then. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.